action? All right. You heard it. You heard it from the baby wifey in the background. She said action. So it's time to talk about Olympic Beach Volleyball. We are back for our second episode of The Road to Paris, which is our little special. We're going to do about once a month for the next 16 months till the Paris Olympics in July or August, July and August of 2024. The first event just happened, just wrapped up in Doha, Qatar. It was the first event of the 2023 season, which, as I was telling Delaney in the background, it felt a little bit like the Iowa caucus. And for our international listeners, so the Iowa caucus is the first of the presidential primaries when we are in an election cycle for the presidents. And Iowa is the first one to go in the primary cycle. And there's all this frenzy. It's this big hubbub. And at the end of the day, it's relatively meaningless. You know, a president is not going to get elected in Iowa because there's Super Tuesday and, and 49 other states, obviously, to go. But it's fun because there's so much hype. There's action. It's the first thing. And Doha was so fun for me. A lot of frenzy, a lot of hype around it. And it was so fun to watch because it was the first event of the Olympic qualifying period. So I'm going to be tinkering with a lot of different formats for how this is going to go for the next 16 months. I'm going to be tinkering with, you know, do I do the best winners, best losers, who's making the most moves? We'll figure it out. And I'll be looking to actually to your guys' feedback quite a bit on that. Whatever you want to listen to or watch, that's probably what I'm going to start doing. So the more feedback I get from you guys, the better it's going to be. And then one bit of feedback I'm always reminded of is to like and subscribe to the Sandcast YouTube page. Finally did it. Good for me. So in Doha... I'm going to do three big winners from the event. Now, these are not going to be the actual winners of the event because I'm going to be breaking down these tournaments in the context of the Olympic Games, not necessarily of just doing a straight-up tournament recap. So Anders Moll and Christian Swarm won another gold medal. Surprise, surprise. Katya Stam and Raisa Schoon, they won a gold medal for the Netherlands. That's your recap right there. But for as far as the Olympic Games are concerned, my biggest winners were Italians Adrian Carambula and Alex Rangieri, the new but old partnership that everyone loves to see back together again. Now, why were they the biggest winners? So they started out in the qualifier. They ended up sweeping Turkey, making the main draw, and then they swept Qatar. They swept Spain. They swept Brazil. And then they took Anders and Christian to three in the semifinals. And then they swept Poland to win a bronze medal. So the Italian Olympic race for the men's side is probably the race that I'll be following the most closely outside of the American men because it's going to be so close between their three teams. So they have Paolo Nicolai and Sam Coltafava, which I have as the best Italian team. Sorry, Adrian. You can use that for fuel if you want. I know you will. I think that they're probably going to qualify, which means that that second Italian spot is probably, in my mind, going to come down to Enrico Rossi and Daniele Lupo. So for Adrian and Alex to get a bronze medal in the first Elite 16, which will probably get them out of qualifiers of Elite 16s moving forward, to get a huge jump in points on Nikolai and Kodafava, get a huge jump in points over Lupo and Rossi, they're my biggest winners. And not just because of what they actually gained, but how they gained them. Alex Rangieri, right now in my mind, is the best blocker in the world or played like it after Anders Moll. He led the tournament in blocks with 50. Anders Moll had 12. So I'm going to take a quick pause and interject there. This is after the filming. Anders Moll obviously did not have 12 blocks in the whole tournament. He actually had 38. What I was meaning to say was that Alex Rangieri had 12 more than Anders Moll. Anders Moll did not actually have 12 blocks. One of the reasons that I don't use notes and I don't edit 
the videos themselves is because I'm using them as much for practice doing live television stuff as anything. Obviously, it's not live because it's just in Tri's studio, and I then go back and I do edit. I don't clean up anything, but I can do stuff like this for the audio version, but it's just practice for me in a live TV environment because when I'm broadcasting for volleyball TV, it's totally live, and sometimes I stay say really stupid stuff like Anders Mole having 12 blocks when he actually had 38. So that is my little edit, little clarification for you guys listening to this on audio. If you want to watch the video, I add all kinds of pictures and random graphics and stuff. That is on our YouTube channel. Thanks, as always, for listening and supporting the show. Uh, I do say stupid things like Anders Mole has 12 blocks all the time. So appreciate your patience with me throughout the last five-plus years. Looking forward to more. He led the tournament in scoring, led the tournament in kills, led the tournament in aces, led the tournament in blocks. He was the MVP by any objective and subjective measure you want to use. Alex Rangieri was awesome. So they are my gold medalists as far as the Olympic race is concerned from Doha. My silver medalist goes to the European women as a whole. So Katya Stam and Race Askew, and I mentioned that they won gold. They won an all-European final over Switzerland's Nina Brunner and Tanya Huberly, who looked fantastic. Getting fourth was Tina Gradina, USC alum and American favorite, and Anastasia Samoylova. So three out of the four semifinalists were from Europe. The other, Taliku Clancy and Maria Faye Artaccio, bronze medalists. They are... Australia, obviously, is its own continent, but in terms of beach volleyball in the Olympic race, Australia is Asian. So this was actually the first time since Klagenfurt of 2016 that a major tournament, and by major I mean challenge or four stars and above, has not included an American, Brazilian, or Canadian team in the semifinals. you got to go back seven years. And the first event of the Olympic race featured exactly that. It was such a strong start for Europe, who has traditionally struggled when it comes to Olympic results. The first European medal that was won was Germans Lara Ludwig and Kier Valkenhorst when they won gold in Rio de Janeiro in 2016. Anouk Verge-Dupre and Joanna Heydrich, they won Europe's second Olympic medal in 2021 when they won bronze. So just two of the 21 Olympic medals that have been awarded have been won by Europe, and it was a super strong start for them. Stoked for them. And I'm also stoked for my good friends and buddies, Kristen Nuss and Taryn Cloth. You guys get the bronze medal of the Olympic race in Doha, Qatar. Now, why Kristen and Taryn? They're the queens of fifth. They, they finished fifth in six of their last seven tournaments. And so they're frustrated by that. And I love that they're frustrated by that because they know that they're better. They've been knocking on the door, and, and soon enough, that door is going to open. But they came out of the qualifier, and not only did they come out of the qualifier, they knocked out two American teams in the process, which when you play an American team, you have to take advantage. And Kristen and Taryn did just that. Knocked out Savvy, Simo, and Tony Rodriguez in the first round. Knocked out Emily Stockman and Megan Kraft in the second round. So they fortified their position that way. Then they broke pool. They took a fifth, they matched Kelly Chang and Sarah Hughes with a fifth, and they finished better than Sarah Sponsel and Therese Cannon. So they started out the Olympic race, matched at the top with Kelly and Sarah. Now, I have my volleyball, my predictions for who's going to qualify on VolleyballMag.com. Kristen and Taryn are my second team. Kelly and Sarah are my number one. You can find those at Volleyball Mag. I'll link to it in the show notes if you want to take a look. I'm going to take a quick pause and have a little YK water break. We're going to take a quick break from the show, not just any break. 
This is the Waiakea Water Break. Now, Waiakea has been keeping us hydrated all year long, not just with any ordinary water. This is Hawaiian volcanic water. In all those bottles you saw, what's really cool is that they're made up of 100% post-consumer recycled ocean-bound plastic. So what that means is that each bottle helps remove the equivalent of five bottles from ocean-bound beaches, waterways, and cities. So they're not just keeping us hydrated. They're helping out the environment, too. And try, that's not the only cool thing they're doing. That's right. They're giving back to those in Hawaii through the Kokua Initiative, which supports the local food banks and the nonprofits out there. Another really cool thing is that they make coffee. I'm a big coffee fan, so I'm excited to drink this product. And for every pound of coffee purchased, Waikia donates a book to a child through its literacy program. So use promo code SANCAST online at waikia.com to receive 20% off your order. You can also pick some up at 7-Eleven. Live healthy, live sustainably, live ethically, live aloha at waiakea.com. Thank you guys, the listeners, for giving support to the sponsors, which then allows us to continue supporting us. It's a virtuous cycle. We love it. We love that you're listening. We love that the sponsors are on board. And we love that Wilson Volleyball has been with us since day one. Almost five years now, Wilson has been working with the boys, and we love those guys. We love the volleyballs they make, the ball carts they make. We love the apparel that they make. I saw Troy Field playing golf with the golf clubs that they make. We love Wilson. Love everything they got, love everything they put out there, and as do you. And to get a 20% discount of all Wilson materials, just the volleyball stuff, get use the discount code SANDCAST-20. All right, that's SANDCAST-20 to get 20% off all Wilson materials. I mean, I'd say that off-season's coming up, but there's really no off-season. But at this point in the year, you probably need to restock up on volleyballs. I know I have. I just put in an order for 15 more. It's about time for you to do the same. So use the discount code SANDCAST-20 to restock on all Wilson volleyballs, the best beach volleyball in the game. This podcast is also brought to you by Athletic Greens. And guess what? Try and I just signed on another year-long contract with Athletic Greens, keeping the partnership going because it is one of the best partnerships we could have for this podcast. If you guys aren't on Athletic Greens yet, if you're not taking those scoops of those green veggies, I cannot recommend it enough. I haven't been sick in two years because of Athletic Greens, and we bring it on the road. They have these awesome little travel packs that they bring. you can bring on the road with you. I bring them everywhere. I haven't missed a day in the last year and a half or so pretty much ever since me and try started working with them it's basically a multivitamin the best multivitamin on the block it's cheap it's less than three dollars a day which it might sound expensive but if you're investing in your health it's cheaper than your cold brew coffee habit it's cheaper than the lattes and it's way better for you all right, it's it's the the best all-in-one nutritional insurance you can get. I mean, Joe Rogan, he has it. Tim Ferriss is promoting it. Michael Gervais promoting it. Andrew Huberman's promoting it. All the big dogs are. We're just the little dogs here at Sandcast, and we're promoting it, and we stand by it. Me and Try, we've been healthy all season long, despite playing two huge schedules this year. And Try's got another couple big ones coming up with Olympic qualifying. And the best way we're fueling ourselves: Athletic Green. And you can fuel yourself the same way by using our code athleticgreens.com slash sandcast. All right, that's where you get our partner deal. You will get five free packs and a year's supply of their vitamin D. That is a year's supply 
of vitamin D. Now, we're on the beach. We get a lot of it anyway, but you can always use more. It's so good for your immune system. It's so good for your overall health. So that is athleticgreens.com slash sandcast. That's where you will find our partner deal. So I cannot encourage you enough to pick up some Athletic Greens today. If you love the podcast and want to show how much you love the podcast, then get some Sandcast merchandise. We've got t-shirts, we've got tank tops, we've got coffee mugs, hats, long sleeves, sweatshirts, backpacks, you name it. If you go to sandcastmerch.com, you can find virtually anything you want. And if there's nothing in our store that you don't that you want, you can just send us an email and we'll make it for you. That's how easy it is. So if you want to rock your the merch of your favorite podcast today, tomorrow, whenever you want to get it, go to sandcastmerch.com and start rocking some Sandcast apparel. Looking for a book to read? Well, I know the absolute perfect one. If you're listening to this podcast, that means you are obviously a volleyball fan of some sort, be it indoors or beach volleyball. And that means that you have probably heard of a guy named Ken Steffes. And if you haven't, well, you can flip open our book, Kings of Summer. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, anywhere books are sold. You can find our book, Kings of Summer, The Rise of Beach Volleyball. Now, Ken, he didn't do interviews for like 20 years after his retirement when he was 30. He's the most dominant beach volleyball player of all time. He won more than half the tournaments he played. He won the 1996 Olympic gold medal with Karch Karai, and we wrote all about it. We had the first inside look of the rise of beach volleyball from the first professional tournament in 1976 up until those 1996 Atlanta Games, the first that beach volleyball was in the Olympics. I had an absolute blast working on this book with Kent, and Kent had a blast writing on it. He's been writing a ton on Facebook. He is back in the beach volleyball game, and the best, I mean, it's honestly... You know, it's the work that I'm probably more proud of than anything that I've done because it, it had interviews from all the greats. It had Sinjin Smith, it had Karch Karai, it's got Randy, Dodd, Hovland, and then Kent's there the whole time, his voice going in and out and writing it with me. And if you're a fan of old school beach volleyball, if you're a fan of beach volleyball at all, if you're a fan of volleyball or the Olympics or just stories of greatness, that is the one for you. So go ahead, go to Amazon and pick up a copy of Kings of Summer today. All right. So, YK water break over. The honorable mentions for my winners go to the Grimalt cousins, Marco and Esteban. I left them off of my medalists. I also left them off my predictions to qualify via points into the Olympics because I was a little bit scarred by how they finished the Tokyo process. They just hung on to the end of Tokyo. They started out, won their pool, took fifth place. Esteban Grimalt's playing awesome. Good for them. Strong start. Strong start also had by Germans Nils Ellers and Clemens Wickler, who took a fifth. They were kind of in and out throughout the 2022 season. Now they started off with a strong fifth, took Anders and Christian to three in the quarterfinals. So they're showing that they can compete with anyone in the world. And I think Anders and Christian, obviously, number one in the world by a long shot. So if they can compete with them, they can compete with anyone. Good for Chile. Good for Germany. Now the second portion of the show is going to be a bit of a a change of brand, as Delaney said, for me, is that I'm also going to highlight who had a difficult start in the Olympic race. Now, I've been a perpetual hype man for the players throughout my entire career as a beach volleyball writer, podcaster, whatever, and I'm still going to be a hype man. However, I think in regards to what I'm doing with this Olympic race breakdown, It is important for the fans to know what teams to keep an eye on who are on the cusp of struggling. 
The first team that comes to mind for that are my guys, the undersized heroes of the beach volleyball world, Philip Waller and Robin Seidel of Austria. I love them. I think they're so good. They lost in the final round of the qualifier to a team from the Czech Republic that they'd probably beat 19 times out of 20. Doha just happened to be that one time out of 20. Waller struggled in a way that I'd never seen him struggle before. So I wouldn't expect them to continue struggling like that. And if their stock has dipped, I'm buying all the side of Waller stock I can get because I think that they'll be back. I think they'll qualify. No problem. It's February. Everyone was a little bit rusty, including Sharif and Ahmed from Qatar. They were struggling in the World Tour Finals. They were struggling in this one. I'm not concerned about Seidel and Waller. Not really concerned about Sharif and Ahmed. But I did want to highlight that losing in the qualifier is so tough because you don't make money. You don't get that many Olympic points, and that's just going to push you further back into the qualifier moving forward. And you just do not want to be in those Elite 16 qualifiers. They are brutal. Which brings me to my next team to keep an eye on is Giannis Smedens, one of my favorite players to watch of all time. Lefty from Latvia, in my mind, was once pound for pound, the greatest volleyball player in the world. Him and Alexander Smoilovs, they looked a little flat against my boys Tim Brewster and Kyle Friend. They survived in three, and then they lost, looked a little flat again in the final round of the qualifier to the Aussies, Paul Burnett and Chris McHugh, who just blast away from everywhere. So Smedens and Samoylovs, they have such a fascinating history because Latvia performed so well in the Olympics. Samoylovs and Martins Plavins, they were the ones who engineered the greatest upset in Olympic beach volleyball history when they beat Phil Dahlhauser and Todd Rogers in the first round of Beijing. Phil and Todd wound up winning gold. Samoylovs came away with a nickname, the Lion King, and the rest has been history. Giannis Smedens, he won a bronze with Martins Plavins in 2012, knocking off Jake Gibb and Sean Rosenthal, who finished number one in the world in 2012, knocked them out in the quarterfinals. But 2021, they didn't make the Olympics for the first time since 08 for Samoylovs and the first time since 2012 for Smedens. And now I think that they have kind of an uphill battle to qualify because the world is starting to catch up to that fast run and gun, shoot, jump set offense that Sweden is running so well, which if you haven't watched Sweden, please do. Go, go back on volleyball TV and watch as much Sweden as you can. So those were the two biggest teams I wanted to make a note of for teams you should keep an eye on. You don't want to drop too far in the, the Olympic race. But as a whole, the third biggest struggle I saw was just the Americas. So Brazil's men's team, their best finish was a ninth. Our best finish as an American team for the men was first round of the qualifier. The, we didn't have a team in the semifinals, either that's Brazil, Canada, or the U.S., as I mentioned, for the first time since 2016 in Klagenfurt. So the Americas just had a pretty slow start. Now, granted, that comes a week after Kelly Chang and Sarah Hughes played a Brazilian team, Anna Patricia and Duda, for the Beach Pro Tour Finals. And Kelly and Sarah are coming home with 75 grand apiece from that. So I'm not too concerned about it, but it was just a note that I wanted to make. The other one to keep an eye on is the German women. I'm pretty bullish on the German women and have been really ever since Lara Ludwig and Kira Valkenhorst won gold in Rio. So they've been traditionally a powerhouse in as far as European beach volleyball goes. And Ludwig is just such a gem. She's a treasure to this sport. Cindy Tillman and Svenja Muller are phenomenal. I have them making the Olympic Games. Carla Borger and Sandra Itlinger 
They struggled a little bit, didn't break pool, and Julia Sood and Isabel Schneider, who I have qualifying in Paris, they did not show up. Laura Ludwig and Louisa Lippmann did not sign up in the first place. So the German women coming home with a pair of 13s, bit of a slow start for them. I'm not too concerned about any of those, but I did want to highlight those teams who I do think are going to do well, who did struggle out of the gates. Now, a couple things that you guys wanted to know that I'll just briefly answer. I don't want to make these episodes too long because our podcasts are already long enough. So these will be kind of 10 to 15 minute little recaps updating you guys on the Olympic race. Someone asked what makes Sweden so good. That is way too big of a question to answer in one podcast, but I'll say it's passing the sell, and the execution. To run an offense like that, you need to pass well. Jonathan Helvig's one of the best passers in the world. Let's David Amon do whatever he wants. So when you have the pass, the option is there. Then you have to sell the option. So Amon is one of the best option players in the world, but he sells the hit, sells the hit, sells the hit, and then he jump sets. And so the blocker moves with him, and Jonathan Helvig will have so many open net swings, it's insane. But then you have the execution. So this is where Sweden beats every other team running creative offenses that you can have the pass, you can have the sell, but then actually making the jump set without doubling, without lifting, without oversetting the ball and finding your partner with the right tempo and location is so difficult. It's impossible really to put into words. And that's why no one else is running an offense like Sweden's because Sweden is the only one who can do it. So that's the very short answer of that. Uh, The next question, how much prize money is on the line? 150,000 per gender which is funny because it was a week after Kelly Chang and Sarah Hughes won 150000 for the team at the Beach Pro Tour Finals. Uh, and then they were asking, are there any other Olympic qualifying events other than Volleyball World? That is uh, continental. So Norseka, you can get Olympic points, but you're not going to get enough via Norseka to actually use any of them if you're going to make the Olympic Games. CEV is the European Federation. The same applies to all the continentals where you're not going to get a lot of points for it to be consequential. So if you're following the Olympic race, you're just following Volleyball World. So that's it for Doha. Up next is Mexico. So there is a challenger in La Paz, one of the coolest places to play beach volleyball. Such a good crowd, such a fun atmosphere, beautiful, breathtaking place. That conflicts with AVP Miami. I'm interested to see who goes where. Currently, there's 13 women's teams signed up from the U.S. and nine men's teams. So I'm interested to see who plays Miami, who plays La Paz. The week after La Paz is an Elite 16 in Tepic, Mexico. So March will be a little bit more crowded. I'm excited to keep up with the Olympic race. As always, give me as much feedback as you can. I will try to integrate as many bits of your questions, feedback as possible within the 10 to 15 minute time frame. I'm allowing myself for these. Had a blast hanging out with you guys, watching on Volleyball TV, watching on Sandcast. I'll catch you guys in March for episode three of The Road to Paris. Shoots.